Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hey there, welcome to the Thursday edition of Following the Truth. My name is Gary Zimek. It is August the 19th. And uh, today's show is going to be a, a, lo- a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> I say that with a bit of a chuckle because, you know, if, if I had to put a title on this program, it would be this, good news or bad news. It all depends on the way you look at it. The, the mass readings, the daily mass readings for today are among some of the more brutal that you will ever see. And at... at my first reaction is to run away from these readings and, and to just resort to something a lot more pleasant. I've got a lot of material in any number of my books. We can go on, you know, for the the Be Not Afraid or God is Always With You, God Loves You messages. These are a lot more pleasing. These are a lot easier to deal with. But for some reason, I just feel the Holy Spirit moving me to look at the first reading in the gospel from today's daily mass and uh, they are both very challenging and they are depending on the way you look at them you're you're either going to view them as being good news or bad news primarily when you read these uh, these 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 passages and you're going to look at them and say wow that is a brutal message both of them are but i just felt you know as i and and i really feel this is true the, the we're dealing with God's word when we open up sacred scripture, right? Now, sometimes he's got to tell us things that we don't want to hear, but really it's all good news. So let me just, because I think this is going to be very beneficial, especially this first reading. When I read it, I'm going to point out a few things. Now there's, there's an obvious um, difficult message there. Same with the gospel. But there's also some very good messages, and I think that if we get used to doing this, finding the good news buried in the difficult, challenging messages, we're going to get a lot further spiritually. It doesn't mean that the Lord's not going to, at times, uh, challenge us, because He has to. But there are so many positive messages that we often ignore because of the fact that maybe these readings were written thousands of years ago, and... Times have changed. People are different now than they were then. Certain practices are accepted now or accepted then that aren't accepted now. You know, there are differences. But I think it's good to, to push through the, the challenging, difficult, almost ugly messages that we sometimes get in Scripture and look for that silver lining. We're going to try to do that today. You'll let me know if I succeed with this. So I hope you can settle in. Hope you relax. Let's pray. Let's um, let's talk to our Father in heaven, and then I'll and I'll get started with this. Uh, what I would call a very challenging show today. Good news or bad news? It's all how you look at it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Father in heaven, I'm going to need your help today. I'm going to try to present two very challenging biblical passages 
both take it from daily mass. But I feel, Father, this is what you want me to do today, and I'm just going to ask you to guide my words so that I can deliver this message in the way you would like me to deliver it. Father, thank you for speaking us to us through the scriptures. Thank you for telling us what we need to know, even if it's not always what we want to hear. I'm glad we can have this dynamic relationship with you, and you can teach us through the pages of the Bible. Father, please accept all of our petitions today. We pray for any of those who have asked for our prayers. We pray for our own needs, for the needs of our family and friends. We pray for the many needs in the world that are taking place right now. There are so many critical needs in the world, from the earthquake uh, the, the earthquake in Haiti to the chaos in Afghanistan to the, uh, the, the, the rampant COVID-19 pandemic, which is still very much active. We pray for all these needs, Father. We ask you to handle them for us in the best way possible. And Father, as I said in the beginning, please give me the words to present, and please open all of our hearts and minds to be receptive to your message. Father, we ask this, as we always do, in the most holy and sacred name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I'm ready. I'm ready to get started with this. My name is Gary Zimak. You are listening to Following the Truth. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for spending some time with me. As, uh, as I always like to tell you, there's a chair here for you every day, Monday through Friday, for 30 minutes. Let's hang out together. Let's talk about the Lord and how we can grow closer to Him. A uh, couple of pieces in for, of information. I mentioned this on the show yesterday. I want to reiterate today. Now, tomorrow, we will do our regular Friday edition of the podcast. But then next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I'm going to take three days off because i got some things to do. and It would really help me to uh, to not do the podcast. But the goal is that I will be back with a brand new podcast next Thursday. So I hope you'll be able to join me for that. Next Thursday, Following the Truth will return. What's next Thursday? It's the 26th of August. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Don't panic when I'm not here. I'll remind you this tomorrow. Again, I don't take too many days off, but I just feel it would be, there's some things I have to get done, so it would make my life so much easier. I hope you understand. And then next Thursday, I will be back with a brand new um, Following the Truth. Uh, in the meantime, my daily email reflections, they will continue right through. I'm not taking off any days off for for those. You'll get them every day. So if you have not yet signed up for my daily email reflections, let not your heart be troubled. Please visit my website, followingthetruth.com, for more information. And uh, all you need to do is, from the website, just supply your email address. Your name is optional. All you really need is your email address, and you'll start receiving Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled free of charge every day in your inbox. So followingthetruth.com is the place to go for that. While you're at the website, check out my books. Check out how to bring me in to speak at your parish or your conference. And also, soon on the website, you're going to see information about my latest book, it's called A Journey with God, Finding Peace and Happiness. You can pre-order it right now from Amazon.com, but there's going to be a link on the website. I'm, I'm working on that. That's going to happen relatively soon, in the next few weeks or so. The book is going to be out in uh, probably about a month. So sometime mid to late September, Journey with God is going to be coming out, and I'll tell you more about it as we get closer. 
Um, all right, let's just get into this because this is going to be it's going to be lots of fun, <laughs> especially this first reading. So, as I said at the beginning of this program, I, th- I think this is good training for me and hopefully for you as well. Sometimes there is a tendency that we have to, especially with the Bible, to want to hear what we want to hear. If if I'm feeling down, I, I'm going to turn to the Bible and I know the verses that will pick me up. Now, that's not a bad thing. That's that's a good thing that you turn to the Bible for verses that will help you, will comfort you, will lift you up. I've written numerous books using scriptural verses to do just that. I think that's a good thing. But I also think since what we, our ultimate goal in life is to have a dynamic and personal relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what we want to do. We want to have a dynamic relationship, meaning that we are just not putting words in the Lord's mouth and extracting them when we want. I mean, again, that's that's a good thing to know where to turn in the Bible for the verses that you need to hear. But I think it's very important to be able to let the Lord just speak sometimes And maybe tell us something that we're not looking to hear. As if, uh, you know, in the case of of any relationship, sometimes my wife or my friends or my children, they tell me things that I don't really want to hear, but things that maybe I need to hear. And that's what a dynamic relationship is. I don't tell my wife, honey, here's what I want you to tell me today. Because, you know, that's that's not a real relationship. It's not a good relationship. It's not normal either. So by by looking at, for instance, the daily mass readings, and that's why I like this approach so much, and I try to do it in my own life. I find this to be effective. By letting the Lord speak to me through the daily mass readings, the, the choice to head to a particular comfortable place in the Bible, it's taken out of my hands. And I just really let the Lord speak to me using the readings provided by the church for that day. That doesn't mean that throughout the day at other points in time, I don't go seek out my favorite Bible verses or maybe read through some uh, a book that I'm reading in the Bible or something. That, that's fine. But I sort of like this, uh, this approach of using the daily mass readings because it's beyond my control, and I am a controlling person, you know? So... Anytime that my control is taken away from me, I might not like it, but when it's God who's taking it away from me or when I'm yielding control of my life to him, that's a good thing and, and I need to practice. So with that in mind, let's take a look at these, these readings uh, the, from Daily Mass. The first reading comes from the book of Judges, chapter 11, beginning in verse 29. Now we're going to hear about one of the judges. The judges were when the Israelites crossed over into the promised land, they were led not by kings, but they were led initially by judges. These were leaders of of Israel. We're going to hear about one of the judges, one of the leaders. His name was Jephthah. Now, Jephthah, he did something that is, I would say, for lack of a better word, shocking, because I, I don't know really, I think that might not be for lack of a better word. That's a good word. He made a slight, uh, not a slight, he made a major miscalculation here. But again, let's read it. Let's just get shocked by it. And then let's talk about, well, where's the good news here? How, what good is in this first reading? You know, sometimes we hear the readings proclaimed at mass and we think, why in the world 
do I need to know that? Would you ever get in that position? It, you know, and we almost think like, oh my gosh, that's just, that's just insane. Why, how is this going to help me in any way? But if you, if you let the Holy Spirit guide you, which is what I tried to do when I was coming up with what it is that I was going to talk about today, I think the Holy Spirit can always provide a beneficial message. And furthermore, not just a beneficial message, but an uplifting message. Again, with the idea that some of the details are going to be challenging, but there's also something that is uplifting if we look hard enough. So Judges chapter 11, verses 29 through 39, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He passed through Gilead and Manasseh and through Mizpah, Gilead as well. From there, he went on to the Ammonites. Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. Now, check this out. If you deliver the Ammonites into my power, he said, whoever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites shall belong to the Lord. I shall offer him up as a burnt offering. In other words, we are talking about human sacrifice here. I know it sounds crazy. Understand, putting it into context, the Israelites were constantly threatened by the various pagan countries around them. So here, the enemy of the Ammonites, they're serious threat for Israel. So Jephthah, the leader, the, the one of the judges of, uh, of Israel, is, is making a vow to the Lord. If you let me emerge victorious against my enemies, I want to repay you. But I want to do it by sacrificing the first person who walks through the door of my house. Now, if you think that this kind of a promise isn't, um, isn't a recipe for disaster, <laughs> if, if you think it isn't, then I, I, I seriously consider, I ask you to rethink it because it is. This is a... It's going to lead to a very difficult and tragic situation. Now, Jephthah then went on to the Ammonites to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his power. So let me just let me just talk about this. Let me stop right here. Because now here's the first nugget of good news, and this is really good news. Jephthah then went on to the Ammonites to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his power. So the Lord came through. He helped the Israelites. He protected them against one of their enemies so that he inflicted a severe defeat on them. From Aror to the approach of Mineth, 20 cities in all, as far as Abel-Karamim. Thus were the Ammonites brought into subjection by the children of Israel. So this is good news. This, you know, you, I mean, we should stop here if you're looking for good news. The Lord came to the assistance of his people who turned to him for help in the person of Jephthah, their leader. Now, you and I, we have various challenges in life. The moral of the story thus far for us is that the Lord will help us. He will protect us. He will protect us against the enemy of Satan, the temptation of sin. He'll protect us against all kinds of challenges when we turn to him for help. And, and, and that's a good message. That is a really good thing. Now, I warn you, this story is going to get ugly in a minute. Um, so, the, okay, so the Ammonites were defeated. And when Jephthah returned to his house in Mitzpah, it was his daughter, 
uh-oh, who came forth playing the tambourines and dancing. She was an only child. He had neither son nor daughter besides her. Can you see why this is so ugly? When he saw her, he rent his garments. That's kind of a sign of mourning and sadness. And said, Alas, daughter, you have struck me down and brought calamity upon me. For I have made a vow to the Lord, and I cannot retract. She replied, Father, you have made a vow to the Lord. Do with me as you have vowed. Because the Lord has wrought vengeance for you on your enemies, the Ammonites. Then she said to her father, Let me have this favor. Spare me for two months that I may go down the mountains to mourn my virginity with my companions. Goe replied and sent her away for two months. So she departed with her companions and mourned her virginity on the mountains. At the end of the last of the two months, she returned to her father, who did to her as he had vowed. That's a euphemism for he sacrificed her. Unbelievable, right? She had to mourn her virginity because it was thought back in those days that it was a uh, it was a sad thing if a woman couldn't have children. So she was mourning the fact that she was going to die before ever having children. Now I know what you're saying, Gary. Come on, that is and, and, you know this is one of those readings. If you go to daily mass, or if you did go to daily mass, and you heard this proclaimed, this really begs some sort of an ex- explanation. You may or may not have gotten one in the homily. Sometimes at daily mass. Uh, the priest doesn't have time to, to give a homily. But man, this is one where if there's no explanation given, you're just not going to be feeling too uplifted when you, when, you get to, when you get to the end of it. But let's let's look at a couple points here. Number one, the Lord provided for, he came to the assistance of his people, the Israelites, who through the person of Jephthah asked for his help. It, it's a good thing. The Lord fights for us. He fights for us against our enemies. Another potential good thing that comes out of this crazy reading is um, is the idea that Jephthah was a um, he was faithful. He made a pledge to the Lord, and he, gosh darn it, he was he was gonna he was gonna follow through. That's a good thing. We should we should all be more like that. You know, you, you promised the Lord, hey Lord, if you come through for me, I'm gonna pray for an hour for the rest of my life, and then a week later, sometimes we. We start to forget about that when it becomes inconvenient. So there's a lesson for us, certainly that faithfulness. Lord, if I if I say I'm going to do something for you, uh, I'm going to do it. Now, on the other hand, now, now, by the way, just to point out this idea of human sacrifice, it was practiced by the pagans. And the, the Israelites, you know, they're surrounded by these pagan influences. But certainly at this point in time, in uh, in uh, among the Israelite community, human sacrifice is absolutely frowned upon. Yeah, it's you know condemned, not frowned upon. Obviously, Jephthah made a mistake. Maybe his heart was in the right place, but here's a lesson. Now, this is okay. We got the positives that somebody was faithful to the Lord, kept his promise. Again, this is supposed to be a radical story, and it, it was written thousands of years ago, different time. And the people are going to react to it who would who would first hear about this differently than you and I will. I mean, we're just like stunned by, are you kidding me? But the lesson, the, the lesson, the takeaway, if you want, other than the good news, which is good news, that the Lord will provide for our needs. He will help us if we turn to him for help. 
that he's always going to be there for us, that he won't desert us. That's that's good news, and you absolutely should take that away from this first reading. The bad news is, be careful what you promise. When you make a vow to God, don't do anything stupid, right? And, and that's what Jephthah did. He should have thought this through a little bit. And I think sometimes to a, to a much, 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 much lesser extent, you and I overextend ourselves sometimes when we pledge that if my medical test comes out okay, I will spend two hours every day for the rest of my life in prayer. Well, sometimes we just can't do that because of uh, various obligations. And what happens? We end up, because we overcommitted to the Lord, we end up just giving up completely. As opposed to saying, I'm just going to pray. From now on, I'm going to pray every day. If it's five minutes, if it's 10 minutes, if it's half an hour, if it's 60 minutes, it doesn't matter so much as the fact that I'm going to pray. So when you make a pledge to the Lord, if you're bargaining with them, you know, you do this for me, I'll do that for you. And and, and that's not a good thing, really, if, if you look at it as a quid pro quo, this for that. But rather, if you, you want to acknowledge the Lord's goodness to you, it's okay to say, Lord, you know, you if you come through for me, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to change my ways. Or maybe it's better to say I'm going to change my ways and then um, whatever you do is fine. You know, maybe it's better to just make a pledge. But whatever you do, whatever promise you make to God, just think it through. Pray a little bit about it. Don't overextend yourself. Be very careful because Jephthah backed himself into a corner here. It's an extreme example, but he obviously backed himself into a corner. Now, let's look at the gospel. Again, you can look at this gospel and see the negatives, or you can try to extract the positives as well. And ultimately, the negatives or the difficult or challenging aspects of these readings, let them challenge you. But I, I believe that you should spend even more time focusing on the positives. Because if you just look at God in a negative light, he tells me I can't do this, I can't do this, he's challenging me here. If that's all you look at, you're going to miss the point of how much he loves you. So let's read this. This is Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Jesus, again in reply, spoke to the chief priests and the elders of the people in parables, saying, so the Lord's telling a parable now. The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. So the Lord, the, uh, the king is inviting guests to a wedding feast for his son, and many of them ignored the invitation. So a second time he sent other servants saying, tell those invited. Now he's still talking to the people who were invited. And this is a reference to the chosen people, the Israelites, many of whom rejected Jesus. It was God's will that they be given the opportunity first to encounter Jesus and, and enable them to follow him. They were first. And after that, the Gentiles. A second time, he sent other servants. So the servants were rejected. The people said, no, we're not coming to this wedding feast. A second time, the king said to other servants, go tell those invited, behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and my fattened cattle are killed. Everything is ready. Come to the feast. So again, in talking to the same people with different servants sent out to deliver the message, reminding them that you've been invited to this wedding feast. This is a good thing. You're invited. You are invited to come and enjoy yourself. 
What happened? Some ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. So either people were too busy and weren't interested in coming to the wedding feast for the king's son, they had other things, they went about their way, and some even more radically killed the servants because they just didn't want to hear about this invitation. They killed the servants sent by the king. The king was enraged, as he should be, and he sent his troops. He destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And and obviously, you know, this is a not-so-veiled reference to the mistreatment of Jesus and the fact that he was put to death. And one day, you know, rejection of Jesus has a penalty or a punishment involved with it. Uh, then the king said to his servant, after, after he destroyed the murderers, he burned their city. Then the king said to his servants, the feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Again, that reference to the Jews, many of them who rejected Jesus. Now the king is going to extend the invitation to all people. Go out into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever you find. In other words, go out to the whole community, invite anybody because we got plenty of openings for this feast. The servants went out into the streets, gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests, many of whom, if not all of them, who really didn't deserve to be there, but they were given a great opportunity. But when the king came to meet the guests, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. In other words, this guy was invited to a feast that he had no business being invited to. This was an incredible, unmerited privilege. He didn't deserve it. And he didn't even take the time to get a proper wedding garment and prepare for this great feast. He figured, oh, whatever, I'm just going to show up. No preparation. And he said to him, my friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But the man was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside where there'll be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. Again, brutal, brutal message, right? Here's the thing. You and I have no right, no claim on our own merit to the kingdom of heaven. But yet through his undeserved grace and kindness and mercy, the Lord extends us that invitation. So you and I, even though we're sinners, we are invited to live forever in heaven through the merits of Jesus Christ, who did what he did on the cross and rose from the dead in order to break the bonds, or to, to close the, the gap between us and the Father, which was broken by the, the original sin of Adam. We don't deserve it. The Lord gives us the grace to be able to live the life that he would like us to live. In other words, it's by grace that we make it to heaven. So we're the, these guests that don't deserve to be at this banquet. The only thing we're asked to do is ask for the help that we need, the grace that we need, the additional help to deal with these challenging situations of life and to, um, to cooperate with that grace. And then we can be invited to the banquet and live there forever. We got to do something. Unlike the guy who didn't even bother to prepare himself by getting a wedding garment before he went to the feast, we are called to avail ourselves of whatever resources the Lord gives us, the sacraments, prayer, 
you know, to sustain us and to enable us to live holy lives. He's going to give us this banquet invitation, which is a great thing. Our job is to cooperate with the grace, right? Good news, isn't it? Hey, I got to run. I hope you felt it today. If you didn't, Gary at followingthetruth.com. Let me know. God bless you. Talk to you next time.